All right, there you go. So, I want to talk about this concept of remembering. Obviously, December is a good time to do that as you look back over the year. And uh, we recently went overseas on holiday as a family for the first time, the four of us. And uh, I started this thing where I started collecting stones from places we went to, specifically beaches. And uh, unfortunately, we've lost those stones. But anyway, we move on. But this week, we were away, and I got this stone, which I thought was really awesome. And if you look at this, you go, well, that's just, what is it? It's a stone. That's cool. Dylan collects stones. It's a little bit weird. But actually, for you, this is just a stone. For me, this is a walk at sunset with incredible friends to a lookout point overlooking the Citrusdale Valley on a perfect evening and watching God's creation in all its splendor. It's a reminder for me. It's a personal reminder. Whenever I look at the stone, I'm going, yes, that evening was incredible. Bundu bashing in the middle of nowhere, trying to get the, the perfect view. And so this, this afternoon, I want to talk about this thing of reminder, of looking back. And I want to use a specific scripture in the book of Joshua, where actually there's, we might have heard about it, the stones of remembrance. As Israel cross over the Jordan River, they set up stones of remembrance to remember what God has done for them. And that's the key thing, to remember what God has done for them. Not just to remember what has happened, not just to remember things that happened while they were in the world. No, remember the, the awesomeness of God who has led them to this point. Let me read this passage quickly, and then I want to pull out a few points. Which, uh, and then I actually want to get to a bit of a personal testimony, which I'll get to later. And so, this sermon is entitled, Remind Me Later. Not my best title, but anyway, a work in progress. Maybe it'll change by the time it gets onto the website. Okay, Joshua 4, 1-7. When the whole nation had finished, uh, finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and command them, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, where the priests were standing. Carry them with you and set them down in a place where you will spend the night. So Joshua summoned the twelve men who had appointed, he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, each of you to take a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of Israel, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask, What do these stones mean to you? Hopefully one day my grandkids will say, Granddad, why have you got the stone? What does it mean to you? Well... Let me tell you a story, little Johnny, good name. <laughs> when the children ask, what do these stones mean to you? You had to tell them. The waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed, when it crossed the Jordan. The waters were cut off, therefore these stones are to be a memorial to the Israelites forever. Now, a little bit of context on this. We, we know that the Israelites have crossed over a big body of water before when Moses led the Israelites over the Red Sea, or through the Red Sea. And the Red Sea split in half and Moses went them through, uh, led them through. And so it happens again under Joshua. We, we, God creates this incredible sign to the people of Israel that, that he is with them. And so he leads them through the Jordan River. Now we need to keep in mind that these people who are going through the Jordan would be the descendants of those who went through the Red Sea. So there would be Joshua and Caleb and those who didn't grumble and died in the wilderness. And these people were the ones who would inherit the promised land. 
And so we see here Israel is finally crossing over and inheriting, inheriting the land that was promised to them, this, this miraculous land, this thing that God had promised before. He promised Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant land. And so they cross from manna to the land of milk and honey, from being landless to having land. So it's an incredibly important moment for Israel, for the nation of Israel. What is happening here, they're, they're seeing God's promises fulfilled as they're crossing over into this promised land. And as they cross over, the Lord says to Joshua, construct a memorial for this moment. And we read it now, they get 12 stones from the Jordan River and they, they memorialize this incredible moment. Now, I don't know about you, but if I've just walked through a river that is split in two, I'm going, that's pretty miraculous. I think I'm going to remember that forever. And yet God goes, construct a memorial so that your children, when they're asked, you can tell them what happened. And we'll get to why I think that could be the case. And so they, they cross over. And this memorial is erected to, to remember the wondrous and miraculous works of God and the goodness of God towards the nation of Israel. But also, it says in Joshua 4.24, I love this, it says this. Why did, he, why did he let them cross over the river of Jordan? Because he did this so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and so that they may always fear the Lord your God. And so you can imagine as they're crossing over into the promised land, these nations are seeing Israel crossing and they're going, this is truly a nation that God is with. There's something about their God which, which we don't have. He's incredibly powerful and wonderful. And so memorials help us to not forget. I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I was a big war buff, and a lot of war memorials have the words, lest we forget. And you think, well, we're never going to forget the great wars. But we need reminders all the time, because lest we forget the bravery of those men who fought, and lest we forget the horrors of war. And how many of you know that from one generation to the next, we tend to forget? We are prone to forget the goodness. I, I say this: we are prone to forget the goodness of God towards us. I, I love this one. One older commentary says this: when it says prone to forget, it says consciously faulty in memory. But how often are we consciously faulty in memory when we when we, when God has done stuff? We tend to forget what He's done. In fact, I, I was thinking through this and going. I think in many cases, for every one thing that we remember God doing for us, there must at least be one thing He's done for us that we've forgotten. Is that a fair assessment? I can think of things that God's done for me, but I'm sure when I get there one day, He's going, man, that was minuscule, and actually what I did do for you, the things that I did do that you've forgotten about, that you didn't memorialize. Lest we forget the goodness of God. And Scripture encourages us to remember the goodness of God. We all know this scripture in Psalm 103 too. Bless, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Or Deuteronomy 6.12. I love this. Be careful not to forget the Lord who, who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of slavery. You'd think that being brought out of slavery is something you would never forget, but it says be careful not to forget. <laughs> Or Psalm 106.7, our fathers 
when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love. By rebelling by the sea at the Red Sea. God does incredible things for Israel, and yet there's warnings throughout Scripture of don't forget His abundant love towards you. Be careful to remember everything that God has done for you. And so, and so Joseph erects this memorial. And if it's important, if it was important for them, if they memorialized these important events in the life of that nation, if it was important for them, it's important for us. And if you, if you look back for a minute and you go, Think through what God has done in your life this year alone. I mean, think about the last 12 months. And you go, thank you, every one of us go, thank you, Jesus, for. That's only 12 months. And then you think back and going, how good has God been over the last 20 years? How good has He been over the last 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years? How he has answered prayer, how he's delivered us, comforted us, rewarded us, corrected us, and loved us. I think most of us could say, in this week, God has been good to us. God has done the miraculous and the wonderful, and so we should remind ourselves constantly of his goodness towards us. And I'll get to how that looks like now. But I, as I was reading this passage, actually the first thing that's, that really sprung to mind when you, when you started, you, I thought about the congregational aspects of this passage. How it talks about the whole nation was together at, at this point. It says, it says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua. So there's this congregational moment when everyone is together, everyone is witnessing this, they're all seeing it. And they're all remembering what God has done. And in fact, what is interesting is in those moments when you're all together and God does something miraculous, there's a thing called a shared memory. Has anyone heard of that? Shared memory. It's a memory that binds us together. In fact, and this is a big one, sociologists, which are people that study society apparently, had to Google exactly what they did. But it says shared memories define what it means to be a community. And so in Israel's case, this shared memory of crossing the Jordan in some sense defines to them what it means to be a nation. It's a, it's a defining moment for them as a nation. Shared memories bind us together and build a common story. And another thing said this, to build a community that endures, you need shared memory. Shared experiences, memorial memories that are important to the congregation and to the group. And I, I would say this, as a church, we have witnessed incredible things in this year. So as much as individually we've, we've experienced God's goodness, but as a church, if I think back, we've seen incredible things. I think to, to Samuel's, where's Samuel? Samuel's baptism two or three weeks ago. It was an incredible time of the whole church getting together on the beach and, and sharing in what God has done in this man's life of how a whole bunch of us men got into the water with him and prayed with him. And then we went under the water and he came out, crucified with Christ, a new creation. A great celebration happened on the shoreline. And then we went there and we prayed for him. That was a moment that we as a church should cherish. 
and memorialize God's goodness towards 60, 65 people in a hall in Musenberg. <laughs> We've had salvations, baptisms, outreaches, incredible times of worship, and we must, we must, we must remember those. We can't just go on to the next year and go, well, new year, new thing. Because scripture says these things will serve as a sign among you. And I, I just wanted to pause there for a minute because I, I know a lot of us went to Azerbaijan last week and I, I don't want to make too much of it, but I feel, I really do, I feel like the church going to Azerbaijan last week was a massive moment for us as a congregation. Now, I know some of you couldn't make it. My wife was one of them. She was incredibly ill. And Pam also was ill with a, a stomach bug. So I know there were people who couldn't make it, but I know they were there in heart. Haka was crying on Sunday morning, going, I really want to be there, but I can't. I'm too sick. But I would say this, that the fact that 30 to 35 people from this congregation drove an hour and a half to a small seaside village just to serve a church is a moment to memorialize. It's a shared memory. And the people who were there, I promise you, the people who were there will be the first people in the next outreach to go, I'm in. Because if they think back to the last one, they're like, man, that was incredible. I mean, it was so incredible that the microphones didn't work. And so, and so we're visiting this church going, hey, we come to support you. Let's do sound. As we get on sound, the microphones all switch off. We're like, this is not the plan. Like, we're supposed to be serving you. And so the worship team just goes, well, we're just going to worship anyway. And so we just said to the congregation, guys, we don't need microphones to worship Jesus. And I think they were looked like, okay, what does this look like? And I said, guys, just start playing. And for two or three songs, it was just voices and guitars. And it was incredible. And I could show you a video, but it's never going to capture what it was like. To... And so I don't want to put it heavier, but I'm going, if there is another outreach, guys, those are shared memories that we as a congregation can hold together. And we get together and go, do you remember that time we went to Azerfontein? It builds faith. It builds an excitement going, yes, guys, we did something incredible. We actually blessed the congregation. Shared memories are important to us as a church. Vanessa is going to be on the next outreach. I must say, I'm just going to use you as a case study. But um, Vanessa, for a long time, was like, I'm never going to outreach and I'll never go to the beach. I was like, okay, that's, I mean, thanks. <laughs> like, how do I work with that? Because we do a lot of stuff on the beach. But I think she's seen something of when we're together as a group, something happens where there's memories and moments that are, that are, are happening that are worth remembering and are actually powerful for us as a congregation. And so last week, Vanessa was in Azerbaijan and she was on the beach afterwards. <laughs> I even said to her, where's Vanessa? Anyway, whatever. But shared memories create shared momentum. Guys, I've seen it over and over. Shared memories create shared momentum. And so you get this picture of Israel's, they've crossed over, this miracle has happened, God has intervened in an incredible way, and so they're on the other side of the river, and you can imagine this momentum that they must have had, the wind at their back, going, this is incredible. God has done this as a sign to the other nations, we are unstoppable, even though they would face challenges going into the promised land.
I love this thing of them together as being congregation, as a group of people moving together with a shared memory and a remembrance of how good God has been. And I would say to com leaders, actually, this is a freebie, but do this in community group. Do things around the person of Jesus that will create momentum in your group. It's great to do social things. I, I, really, I think it's, it's really, really cool. Social things are great. Have meals together. But have meals around the person of Jesus. Have outings. Do, do different stuff. Do things, but always around the person of Jesus. And so we, I think it's important as a church that we remember what God has done, and that, that creates momentum inside of us. Even though we're going to be winding down the year, I hope we come back next year going, yes, last year, 2023. Stuff that God did in this congregation of small people was incredible. God, won't you do it again? Won't you do even more? Won't you surprise us even more? Won't you just give us reasons just to love you more, Father God, because you're so good to us. I'm blown away by how, God, how good God is to us. And as much as it's important to share our memories and experiences, as a group, as a collective, I also think it's important for individuals to share them with people in their community group. And I say that because often what happens is we forget often what, we, what happens to us. And so one week you've got to come and go, God is so good, he's incredible, man, he did this and this and this and it's awesome. Well, Craig comes to come going like, God is so good, you're amazing. And next week Craig comes to come and go, I don't know where God is. Where is God? My life is terrible. And so if he shared with the community, there's, in some sense, there's a shared memory in that group of what, of what Craig said last week. You go, Craig, I know it sucks now, but remember last week how good God was towards you. Let's focus on that. Okay. Let's pray for you. God is good. He's still, he's still working. It's important for us to share what God is doing in our lives, to testify to what God is doing in our lives. Because actually, we can remind each other of how good God has been in the past. How often do we get into a place where it's like, God is never good to me. And so you speak to someone, they go, actually, no, God has been incredible to me. He's been, I mean, yes, think about last week, what he did for you. It's amazing. You're like, oh, yeah. Share what God is doing. I would encourage you to do that in your community groups and in church. Share what God is doing. Share, share the experience of what he's doing in your life. Because being reminded of the past will give us hope for the future. And so church, can we, can we cultivate a culture of remembering and reminding? Just never be a people of a short-term memory who forgets what God has done one week and then carries on, but a people who have a long-term memory of how good God has been towards us. So when people come into this church who are new to it, we go, we're a new church, we've been going for three years, but this is how good God has been this is what he's done in this congregation. It's an incredible thing. Actually, all of us are part of that history in some sense. We get the great privilege of telling new people in the church what God has done. Very hot. <laughs> Shouldn't have worn long pants today. And so part of the privilege of, of being in a church is we, we remember, but also this passage goes on to say, Tell your children about what God has done. That is an incredible privilege. It says, in the future, when your children ask, what do these stones mean to you? In some sense, the stones don't mean very much to the children. They're going, this is just a pile of stones. What does this mean to the people who erected them? And you are to tell them the... Wow, okay, cool. 
Thanks, Torrent. And you had to tell them, the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan. The rivers were cut off. Therefore, these stones will be a memorial to Israel forever. And so these stones to Israel were a reminder for that generation, but also for the generations to come. I find it so interesting that the children ask, what are these stones for? Like, they don't really know. And so it's up to the generation that was there to remind them and go, actually, this is what it's all about. This is what happened. This is the miraculous thing that God did for the nation of Israel. I've got a passage here. I'm not going to go into that now. And as, uh, as a dad, as I was reading this, I was thinking, how have I, well, as I was thinking, what have been memorial moments in my life? What have been moments of remembrance, moments where I, I should have or I have put a marker of God's goodness in my own life? And then I had this thought, have I shared those moments with my children? Because I know that I've told my kids about our wedding day. That's a big day. Husbands, remember that. <laughs> it was a big day. I've told my kids about the day they were born, about what was happening, and, and all the stuff that went with it. I think they know those stories. You know those stories. I've told them other stories about when I was young. <laughs> and the less said about that, the better. <laughs> I wasn't born a pastor. I know it's hard to believe, but it's just... Uh, <laughs> And I've told them funny anecdotal stories of my life and when Haikin and I were newly married and I've told them all these stories and I, I thought to myself, have I told them the story of the day that I died? Have I sat my kids down and said, you know what? The day I married your mom was an incredible day and the day that you were born was an incredible day and my birthday is an incredible day which should be celebrated all over the world. But actually... All of those days pale in comparison to the day that I was saved by Christ. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> and maybe you've done that. Maybe you have done it. I, I don't know if I have, to be honest. I actually asked Rosie. She's shaking her head. I haven't done it to my own shame. Parents, tell your kids about the moments in your life where God changed them. It's so important. The rest is just details, to be honest. Can we have that picture? <laughs> so let me tell you about the story, the story of the day I got saved. Let me tell Rosie. <laughs> Do you want a cool surf? I'll tell her next time. Let me, Rosie, let me tell you about the most important day in my life. I'm prone to get emotional. Bear with me. <laughs> and you're also getting emotional. <laughs> Rosie's not emotional at all. Let me tell you about the day that I was saved. The most important day of my life. And so there's a picture of a building here which is in Brooklyn, in Cape Town. It's a disused film cinema. When I was younger, it wasn't called The Lord's Chosen. 
<laughs> so this wasn't the church that I was saved into, but I'm sure they're a wonderful church. And so in 1996, I was in the second year of college. And I had grown up for a little bit in church when I was very young and then got into high school and got up to a whole bunch of nonsense. And at the age of 19, someone in college invited me to church. And this church happened to be in this weird suburb called Brooklyn, which I would never have gone to because even back then it was just, it was just different to what I was used to. It was, I, was, I grew up in the southern suburbs, I went to Saks, like, you know, for my sins, I'm just saying. <laughs> Don't hold that against me. But I, as much as I'd had privilege in my life and as much as I was a good person morally, I was a very lost person. A very lost person. I was a very broken person. And I needed someone to save me. And so I walk into this building and I'm like, this is weird. The seats were pink, like this pink, like furry stuff. And <laughs> it was very weird. And I'm sitting in this meeting going like, I know this stuff, I've been, to, I've been through this stuff before as a, as a kid, I kind of know the gospel, and I'm listening, and he finishes a sermon, and he does a gospel call, and before you know it, without me even knowing, my hand is in the air, going, I'm so broken, I need what you, I need what you have, please save me, and I'm going, okay, I'll, do, I'll put my hand up in the seat, and I won't go forward. And then as all preachers do, can you please come to the front if you put your hand up? And there's literally about 50 people in a massive hall. And I'm going, everyone's seen me. And so I go to the front. And that day in 1996 was the monumental moment that I surrendered my life to Christ. Has it been perfect? No. Have there been times when I've messed up? Sure. But I know that I know that I know that on that day I made a commitment that Christ was the only answer to my life. And actually, I always say this, but sometimes I, re I actually really believe this. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Can I be honest? I don't know if I hadn't gone to that church, if I would be saved. Maybe in God's gracious, kindness, sovereignty, he would have saved me somewhere else. But on that day, I went to that church and I had a decision to make. Will you follow me or will you not? And so, Rosie, I made the decision to follow Christ. And I hope that that building becomes a memorial for our family when I can take my kids go and go, you know what, guys, I was saved in that building in 1996. I hope they take their grandkids past that building. You know what, Grandpa Dylan was saved in that building in 1996. It's a memorial for our family. It's a rundown film film. It doesn't matter. It's a landmark to God's faithfulness. This is when our family started following Christ properly. I don't come from a saved family. My family aren't Christian. <laughs> I don't want to shout, but I just get passionate about it. That, that is the most significant day of my life. Why haven't I told my children? Like, come on, seriously. Maybe you've all done it. You're incredible. Well done. <laughs> Parents, tell your kids stories of God's goodness, remind them of what He's done in your life, and tell them the story of your salvation. Tell the story with such conviction that they are so excited about what God has done in your life that they're going, I need to know more about Jesus. Dad, how do I get saved? Imagine being a father and your son comes to you and goes, Dad, I want to give my life to Christ because of what I've seen Him do in your life.
I can't think of any greater privilege. In fact, the day that your children come to you and go, I want to give my life to Christ, should be the second most important day of your life. Yeah, I'm, I'm treading on very, <laughs> very shaky ground. And then your wedding. <laughs> oh, will he get away with it? I don't know. <laughs> All the wives are screaming, going, no, no, no. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? My wedding day was amazing. <laughs> Our preacher walked into a door before he married us, and so he had this massive welt in his head. It was a bit of a picture. <laughs> and there was this little thing of blood, like dripping down. <laughs> that was a good memory. <laughs> Oh, ridiculous. Uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Remembering God's goodness and His kindness towards us is so important, actually. I hope, we, I hope we don't take for granted what God has done for us. I really don't. In fact, I would say to you, and I've done this in the past, is, is write a journal of what God has done. It's incredible to look back just one or two or three years and go, ah, I forgot that. I forgot how God intervened in that process. You can be like me and collect rocks. Maybe you've got a rock garden. <laughs> Please, no. I like to collect stuff. So I was like, no, 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 no. Because I'll be collecting rocks from all over the world soon. Just watch. As a church, it is important to remember what God has done, who God is, and how without Him, we have nothing and are nothing. Remember what he has done here in this church and remember what he has done for you. That scripture says, Therefore these stones will be a memorial to the Israelites forever. 